0: Welcome to post-sermon reflections. This is Ben, and I am glad to be joining you on your Monday morning commute, whether you're folding la- or you're folding laundry, or you're cooking your kids' breakfast. However, you're joining us today, we're glad that you are here. As we are taking Sunday morning learning to Monday morning living, we're going deeper into the text of God's Word that Pastor Brennan preached this morning. This morning, and we're going to see how this is applying to us all week. And so, I'm here with the Don Hall. Hi, Ben. I love Donna. I love serving alongside Donna. My favorite thing about Donna is that she walks what she talks, and she lives out her faith truly. And so I'm super pumped that she's diving into this passage with me today. And of course, we're with the Justin buckle and he's behind the camera, he's behind the microphone, he's mixing us up today. And so we're glad to be here today. Uh, but Donna, I want to kick it to you, and I'm going to ask you, tell us a recap of today's sermon. What did Pastor Brandon preach on this morning? Sure.
1: Thanks, Ben. So, What Pastor Brennan uh, spoke about this morning was Jesus' letter to the church in Laodicea. And out of all seven churches, this one contains what is arguably the most uh, stern rebuke of all. And so his accusation against them, his rebuke of them, was because they were lukewarm. Mm -hmm. And he gave the illustration of, you know, hot water being good to, you know, soothe us, to warm us when we're cold. Um, It's like comforting, right? Mm -hmm. Cold water. Um, on the other hand, is refreshing. It's cooling. It's invigorating. I don't know if you ever done like a a polar bear plunge or yeah. anything like that. Right. It's terrible, but <laughs> it's terrible. But like, man, you're awake when yeah, you come yeah, out yeah, of that yeah. water. Right. Exactly. It invigorates you. And it's just like refreshing um, on a hot day. You know, yeah. you don't want a glass of cold water. And so his uh, problem with them was that they were neither one. They weren't hot They were good for nothing, basically. You were useless Mm -hmm. um, because both hot and cold have good use. And one of the things that he said was, if you were only hot or cold, but you're not, you're lukewarm, and I am going to spit you out of my mouth. And what a. And he did. Pastor Brian (laughs) took a sip of lukewarm water. I think he referred to it as something that's been rolling around in the back of your car for a week. You know, it's (laughs) like, you know, you're thirsty, you open that bad boy up, and you're like, pfft. You know, and then he literally did that right on stage. It was hilarious, but very impactful. And the point is that he's he's saying to them, like for in verse seventeen, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Here it comes, not realizing that you are wretched, mm-hmm. pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And his thing was it, that um Pastor Brennan said, like what Jesus is saying here is like he knew these people. He knew what they thought of themselves. And he's saying like, oh, you think you're the envy of the world? I pity you. Yeah, You think that you've got all that because you are well-resourced? Yeah. Like, they, they were wealthy. And he goes, no, you're poor. And he drew a parallel between you know, right to Matthew 5, 3, mm-hmm. where Jesus introduces in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount the Beatitudes, the very first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. Yeah. It's not a material poverty. It's a spiritual poverty. You recognize your need for him. Yeah. And he's saying, like, you're poor. Now, I don't care. You're rolling in it you're poor. And what he meant was that you're spiritually poor. Um, You're blind. Laodicea was known for uh, their school of ophthalmology and they made this eye salve that like helped people, you know, with eyes uh, that weren't working right. They would heal their eyes with this eye salve or whatever. And he's saying, you're going to help people see you're blind. Hmm. Um, And then naked. Uh, Laodicea was kind of like the capital of the, you know, it was like, the fashion the, the fashion capital, fashion of, the world. capital yeah. of the world yeah and so he's like you you think you're all that well dressed strutting around like uh, no dude you're naked mm-hmm. you got nothing yeah. and so it's a very stern rebuke and he says i counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so you may be rich garments that might clothe, your th- clothe yourself and and salve to anoint your eyes what he's saying is you need me and here i am i'm standing at the door and i'm knocking you open it up. I'm going to come in and eat with you, and that is a reflection of like the most um, intimate kind of relationship with with somebody. Like in the first century, you know, sitting down to a meal together was absolutely the ultimate sign of friendship, yeah. and that's what Jesus is saying. I love you. I'm your friend. I care about you, and I yeah. can't let this go on any longer.
0: Yeah. Amen. Thank you for that, Donna. Yeah, just diving into that passage, we see it so much, and and the main thrust of this passage is, don't be lukewarm. I think mm-hmm. his, his takeaway was um, check your spiritual temperature. Um, he went, we, we do not want to be hot or cold, and just, almost as you explained, like the misinterpretation of that passage is that God wants us to be hot, and He'd rather us be not cold against Him than not than be lukewarm. But in fact. The truth is that hot and cold are both refreshing and good for something. That's right. Lukewarm is good for nothing. Yeah. Except to be spit out of the mouth. And so what Christ wants is he wants our faith to be good for something. He wants our faith to be real. He wants our faith to be actualized. He doesn't want it to be a thing in the head, but he wants it to be a thing of the heart that moves to right. our hands. Yeah. And so so this is a this is an appeal against lukewarm Christianity. And just to dive deeper, Donna, like, what is lukewarm? What does it mean to be a lukewarm Christian?
1: Well, it's funny because Pastor Brennan kept using the word useless. Hmm. And I think that was really a vivid, um a great description of what it is. It's it's you're useless, yeah, um, basically good for nothing. Mm-hmm. So, after salvation, we should have these these things that we do as a response to our faith. um our faith in Jesus, He's done so much for us. And an outgrowth of that faith should be, to walk in the works that yeah. he has prepared for Amen. us, right? And so when we don't, you know, we're kind of resting on our laurels or we're just like doing nothing. Yay, I'm saved. Like that's fire insurance. That's not yeah. salvation. That's not faith. Faith lives. It does something. We produce something. Mm-hmm. And so um it's kind of the opposite of the church in Sardis who was busy doing all the things, yeah. but yet they weren't they were empty works. Yeah. These guys have no works at all. And he's saying like you know the hot water is good for something the, the it's useful cold water is useful yeah lukewarm water is useless um so that's what lukewarm christianity would be something that um yeah you're either resting on like all your previous works that you've done mm-hmm. um again works do not save that is not what we're talking about at all um but you're looking at people who maybe get to the point where you know, they think they've got their spiritual act together. Yeah. Well, that's a huge red flag. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you're no longer growing. I always told my kids, like living things grow. Amen. Um. So if you're not wow. growing wow. Mm-hmm. in your faith, I don't care how old you are. Yeah. If you're not growing in your faith, is do you have a living faith?
0: Yeah. I think about. So one of the most. In, um, impactful like theologians and pastors of all time to me has been um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm-hmm. And so Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I loved, I read a biography of his, read tons of his, tons of his books, um, but he was a pastor. He was a martyr um, during World War II. Um, and he chose to, he had a job in the start of World War II. He got a job at Union Theological Seminary in New York City. And he went and he moved during the start of World War II. He left Germany, his homeland, after doing tons of work over there to teach in the United States. And then he said that he'll go back to Germany after the war and he helped rebuild Germany. And he said, he'll come in here in the times of peace. And it like hits him. He said, how can I help rebuild the country that I'm not willing to suffer with? Mm. And so he, in the midst of World War II, he went back into Germany and he went back and he brought the gospel mission there. He went there and he went back and continued to teach in seminaries. At this point, the church was corrupted. There was this thing called the Confessing Church and the Reich Church. And the Reich Church was a state church of Germany and they fell over to the hands of the Nazi empire. They were singing, Hail Hitler. They were even taking communion in the name of Hitler. That's the right church. But then he was doing the confessing church. He was, he was apostatized by the, the state church, the right church, and eventually he was martyred for his faith because he was a leading theologian and pastor in that. Um, and this guy writes about faith, and he writes this most wonderful book I've ever—one of the best books I've ever read called The Cost of Discipleship, and he writes about cheap grace and costly grace. Yep. And what lukewarm Christianity is, he calls it, is cheap grace. Yep. What does that mean is that it's a grace given to you. We're not talking about earning anything. It's a grace that is given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ because of his work, what he has done for us, but it is a cheap grace because you treat it cheaply. Yes. Because the, the grace, when we receive our faith in Christ, he has done so much for us. He calls us to follow him with our life. And we just take this grace when we take the, the, his love when we accept him when we believe in him and we don't live it out and we don't actually hand over our life to him that's cheap grace and on the other side of that what he's what the whole book's about is that what true christianity is is not lukewarm christianity it's it's costly grace what that means is that our faith costs us something Mm -hmm. jesus jesus is so clear about that jesus says like hey like so the one guy says hey like i want to follow you but let me go bury my father he says let the dead bury the dead yeah like he says, if you want to follow me, you have to pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. It's a life handed over to him. It's a future handed over to him. It's a it's a life, hope, future, dreams handed over to Christ, and say, hey, it's no longer I who live; it's Christ who lives in me. And that's what costly grace is. And and that that book shaped that for me. That I'm like, wow, if I want to follow Jesus, it's gonna cost me something. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that we are completely handed over to Christ. Uh, and that that book shaped me, but I guess taking that to today, what does it look like? I think present day. What are modern American examples of lukewarm Christianity?
1: Yeah. So <clears throat> I think that Pastor Brennan gave some really great examples mm-hmm. in here. He was talking about um, people who are so needed by other people that they've lost sight of their need for Jesus. Yeah, you're so busy running around meeting everybody else's needs that you forget that you have a need yourself yeah. um, that can kind of, you know, fill that gap instead of like, you know, I feel like when you don't feel that gap of a need, yeah, you know, like he said, like there are a lot of churches that are being persecuted and everything like that. There are Christians who are persecuted, but then he was talking about like poverty, people who live in poverty, like yeah. without any material wealth, I think um, wealth Material wealth can blind us to our needs. Yeah. Um. And so he was talking about, you know, whether you're rich in material things, whether you're rich in friends, whether you're rich in, um, you know, uh, being needed by other people. You know, are you realizing your need for Jesus? There's sobriety. People who are walking in sobriety when they used to be in addiction. And so, like. When we're down, when we're suffering, when we're struggling, when we're poor or hurting or whatever it is, it's very easy to see our need. Yeah. Um. I think that, you know, when we're doing well, you know, things are just fine. Um, we tend to lose sight. We get uh, what did he call it? Like spiritual amnesia. Yeah. And so I think that there are people that. You know, I guess in my own life that that has been a thing where you know things are going really well. You know, in every area, you know, you tend to maybe well, you know, I'll read my Bible tomorrow, or you know, and little by little, it's just like a a frog being boiled. You know, it's just a it's just gradual. It's oh. so slow and gradual that before you know it, you're a dead frog in a pot of boiling water. Yeah, you don't realize it because you start to let go of those things um people who used to serve faithfully you know in the church um well i did that for years it's somebody else's turn and then now yeah. you're doing nothing um you know there's all these different ways something i wanted to touch on really quickly was that and just to go back to what you were saying about yeah. bonhoeffer we have been saved yeah right and so upon salvation you are freed from the penalty of sin. Amen. And so many people, and that is true, is a rock solid truth, yeah. right? So you're freed from that penalty of sin. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. And so that's great. That is such awesome, great news. But we have not been, we have not seen yet the fulfillment of that. We won't see that until we're in glory with, with him. Okay? Yes, yeah, And then we're free from the presence of sin. Yeah. In the meantime, we are still alive. We are in between the already and the, not, and the yet. not yet. Yeah. And so the implications for this for like how we're supposed to live. This affects so many this is this is the here and the now. Yeah. I've been saved from the penalty of sin. I'm going to be saved from the presence of sin. Right now I'm being saved from the power of sin in my life. But what am I doing? with the time that I have between yeah. the already and the not yet, and the, right?
0: And the New Testament, like the New Testament backs up that point where it's like in the New Testament, it not, salvation in the New Testament is not just a past reality. It's actually a past, present, and future reality. Exactly. And so there's, in the New Testament, you see text that's you have been saved. There's text that you are being, being saved. saved. Yep. And then there's text, especially look at First Peter, that you will be saved. Correct.
1: And that's exactly yeah. it. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, it's that in-between part, you know, we live like it, it spiritual lukewarmness
0: mm-hmm.
1: looks like somebody who knows that they've been saved, and then they just they drift away they drift away, they go on with their life, or it might be like even people even people who um. I guess would say, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian and, you know, well, I used to go to church or I used to, you know, do these things. Yeah. All these used to's, you know, it's still living in your in your rear view. Um, they've filled their life with other things. You just
0: they just don't care.
1: They just don't care. They're not doing really much for the Lord. And that's it's just you're useless. You're useless in the kingdom of God. Yeah. What is being useful, I think a lot of times it's easier to define something by what it's not. Yeah. Lukewarmness is one of those things that I think is more, um, clearly understood as from the opposite. So like spiritual, you know, like if your spiritual temperature is like cold water or hot water where you're useful, right. You are evangelizing, you're witnessing, you're sharing the gospel, you're living on gospel mission. You're connecting people to the love of Jesus. You are, you're, you're You are eternally minded when you meet people, when you meet a person, no matter how different from you that they are, whatever sin it might be that they're living in or whatever it is, when you meet somebody, you are not disgusted by them. You look at them with compassion because that is a soul who has been made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And that person needs to, you know, anybody with a pair of ears on their head, we need to be telling them the gospel. We need to share the gospel with them. And so, you know, that's what, lukewarm doesn't look like yeah so it's just like any of any time when we're just not even mindful of the yeah. fact that I can make a gospel impact today
0: yeah and and I think the thing is like the devil wants us to be lukewarm and that that's the thing is like oh. these these are these are spiritual Like temptation. There's like the spiritual, real temptation that the devil does not want us to be growing with Christ. And though, like, though you might not be out on the streets denying Christ, though you might not be on Facebook bashing Christianity, like, he's doing his job if you're being passive. Like, he's doing exactly if you're being lukewarm. Because what the devil hates is a life that's on fire for Christ, a life that's truly and seriously surrendered to him. And we see that the temptation in our culture is to make Christianity lukewarm. Like the, the temptation is to make Christianity just one of another things that we do. Yeah, yeah, we're identified as a Christian. You know, I believe in Jesus. I'll go to heaven. We treat Jesus like a get out of jail free card. We're like, yes, I got baptized when I was 13. Um, I go to church Christmas, Easter, or actually let's even stretch it. I go to church once or twice a month <laughs> and I, I I attend, I do my thing. Um, I might even bring my kids to church because I think they should have a good conservative upbringing and that's probably helpful for them. But like at the end of the day, what my life looks like outside of church doesn't actually reflect that what my life look, what I confess to believe inside the church, and that's just like a tragedy. Yeah. And and I I think especially, um, and Pastor Brennan references today is like there's this temptation towards lukewarmness that all of us have to wrestle with, especially in the cultural context that we live in because we have so much. Mm-hmm. Like even it's just like take it back and sit like right now Don and I are sitting in an air conditioned room, mm-hmm. like gathered in comfort. I have a. a water bottle on my desk that's mm-hmm. purified, that I don't have to question anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you might be listening to this while you're driving in your $25,000 car or your $350,000 house, or you might be doing this while you're folding your $90 pair of jeans. Yeah, You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, like, that's a real thing. Like, we have so much, and even those who have least in this country have so much more than so many others. And 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 because, and all these things make us view, in this materialistic American world set makes us think that we have everything we need. Mm-hmm. And we're good, we got it, and that that that's the that's the temptation is that as the world promotes that, as all these advertisements promote that, we can't fall prey to that. Right. And we have, we have to. It's this like active fight not to be lukewarm. Yeah. It's active fight not to fall to cheap grace, but stay on costly grace.
1: That's exactly right, and I think that it is that mindfulness. What you're talking about, like if we just go on. And just speaking as a woman, okay, if we tend to let our feelings dictate our behavior, right? Um, And instead, what they should be is, you know, indicators of something that might be going on, but they shouldn't be dictators of our behavior. If we respond every time to what we're feeling. So my point is that, like, I don't feel like read my Bible today. I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like talking to the guest, the guy at the gas station about Jesus. I don't feel like, you know, whatever. When you let that be, you know, dictate your actions, you know, you're not walking in those things that the Lord has called you to walk in. You're not yeah. being mindful of the fact that, hey, there's a gospel moment to be had here. You're missing opportunities because you just don't even think about it. And so I think like being intentional about, you know, just even in your prayer life, when you start your day, Lord, use me today. You know, show me what you want to want me to do today for you. Yeah. And this is we need to be very, very clear. This is not, and we've already mentioned this, but this is in no way a works-based salvation. Exactly. In yeah. no way, this is about being so thankful for what we've been given. Yeah. That we can't help but give back. Yeah. Right. Um. And so I think that, you know, James talks about this a lot. You know, faith without works is dead. Dead. And it's not about the work itself. It's not about checking boxes and doing the things. Yeah. It's about living for the Lord. Like it's you like you it's said. Your heart. Yeah. yeah. And Say it's just it. like, oh, I have insurance now. I'm fine. You know, we need to be living for the Lord because He has given us so very much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I had to I have to share the story. I, I'm like just thinking about the story in the back of my head. Um, but when I was in ninth, when I was in freshman year of college, I went to spend two weeks in Uganda on a mission trip, and I was up in the northern, northern part of Uganda on the border of South Sudan. And there's been civil unrest and civil war in South Sudan for a while. And so the, the biggest refugee camp in the world, in, the, in this country, of, in the continent of Africa, is in northern Uganda from Sudan, Sudanese refugees. And these people are living there. They live in tents. They've been living there for a while. There's about 250,000 people in these refugee camps. And they literally are only alive because of the United Nations provides cornmeal and tents for them. So they literally live off of the sustenance of them. And so I'm there um, and I gather with them for one day and I'm just like sitting in the corner of the room and my one leader, the leader was speaking to them. Um, He was from Uganda and there's 30 pastors who are pastoring in a refugee camp, like shepherding hearts and preaching the gospel in a refugee camp. They huddle around the tree for church. And this one Sudanese man, He stands up and he says, he says, I believe, and they've been living in these tents and on cornmeal for years. And he says, I believe that God brought us into this refugee camp because we failed to share the gospel in Sudan. And so as we are here waiting to return to our homeland, as we are waiting and living in tents and living off the UN, as you're waiting here, we must pray and prepare to go home and to share the gospel. Wow! And all these pastors, said, amen. And I sat back in my chair and I said, what in the world is this faith? Like who am, like I don't even, uh-huh. do I even know who Christ is? Yeah, like, I get mad when I have like a toothache. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just like that we live in this ibuprofen culture where it's like every pain instantly goes away. And these guys are in deep suffering and, and just like they're malnourished and they live on so little. And they're saying, and they're caring about, we're here because we failed to share the gospel. And like, there's this complete sense of, All inspired of christ and it's because christ deserves that that's what christ wants for all of us he wants us to be totally in all of him guys like we were dead in our sins like we were we deserve to be six feet under we deserve to be burning in hell at this very moment Mm -hmm. and we are and we deserve to be separated forever we spit on god's face and he wraps us and he hugs us
1: well isn't that yes it's mind-blowing yeah the ibuprofen culture i love that um he says, Jesus says in this letter to Laodicea, those whom I love, I reprove. Take it there. Ugh. I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. His call to every, you know, the five churches out of the seven who received this a rebuke. Yeah. This the message is the same. Repent. Yeah. Repent. Repent. He tells them these things because he loves them. Yeah. And it's he's saying, like, you useless people. I love you. Yeah. Now, like, you know, anybody else like it, that, like the person who said that in yeah. that refugee camp, we are suffering now because we didn't do what we were supposed to do. Yeah, Some people will come back at that and say, no, 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 no. God is love. This is the enemy fighting yeah. against you. We don't know God. Yeah. When we say things like that, we don't know him. Yeah. Come yeah. on, God is holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah six, one to six, go there. Oh my word, life-changing. Yeah. When you can't even imagine the holiness of God yeah. and how we are so offensive to him, even in you know just the slightest little sin is so offensive to him. And yes, he's love and he loves people who are unlovely. And what he's saying to this church and what he's saying to us is step it up. Yeah. Wake up, Amen. do something. Pick a side, be hot or cold, but don't go on being useless. For yeah. me,
0: that verse nineteen: um, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Yep, guys. What Christ wants for us is to be zealous and repent. He wants us to have the same faith as that that man, like, yes. that Sudanese man. He wants us to have yes. the same faith as Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Like he wants us to be zealous and in awe of Christ and just let be straight this is a side point it's the most joyful thing ever is to be on fire for Christ that's it, right it's completely liberating and he and he rebukes us he reproves us he's he's rebuking you even he's rebuking me and Donna right now yeah and, and to show you where we've fallen prey to American culture Christianity where we've fallen prey to the American dream and to putting Christ in our backseat and to lukewarm Christianity he's calling us to take a step out of that take a step towards him a step in obedience actually because he loves us exactly like when you, if you care about a friend, you call out, you like tell them when there's something stuck in their teeth. Like you, like, <laughs> yeah, <dude. laughs> you really care about the person. You will tell them before that, Hey man, there's something stuck in your teeth. Like Christ cares about us. He'll call out our faults. And then like, there are often logs stuck in our eyes that we don't even recognize. Mm-hmm. And he wants us to come out of that because he loves us. He rebukes mm-hmm. those whom he loves. And Christ, if you're listening to this and you have put your faith in Christ and you've committed your life to him. Like he's calling you out of lukewarmness because he loves you, exactly. Because he loves you, and so, yeah. There's there's so much we can go on in this, but let, let, uh, to wrap it up, let's talk specifically um, to people. So Donna, if there's something that you want to say, let's think about. You're old. You're a bit older. You're not old at all. Uh, Donna, Donna could be my sister. She is my sister, but no. So Donna, yeah, you're a, but you're a grandma. You're a mother. Um, so what would you say to people? Think about 30s, maybe 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, even people who are up in their 80s and their 90s who might be listening to this podcast. Like, What would you want to say to them?
1: What I would want to say to them is, you know, John Piper, um, awesome, awesome man of God. Stud. Stud. <laughs> Famous for giving a sermon. It's often referred to as the seashell illustration or the seashell sermon. Um, it morphed into as what his book, uh, don't waste your life' is based on is on that sermon. And in that sermon he gave an illustration about people who um had died. they were serving the Lord faithfully, and they had died in some you know horrific uh, accident. And all the reports about it, the newspaper articles or whatever, were calling it a tragedy. And he said, that is not a tragedy, yeah. He said he saw an article in Reader's Digest, and it was about, you know, a Earlier. couple who had retired early. They worked hard. They were smart with their money. They sold everything, moved to Florida, and they spent their days collecting shells. And he said, that is a tragedy. That's tragedy. Yeah. It's a wasted life. It is useless. It is good for nothing. It benefits no one. They were just simply living for themselves. And I think that there is a temptation as we get older, you know, like I've alluded to earlier, there's a temptation to look back and think we've got enough spiritual capital in the bank that we can just sit back, kick our feet up, and say, yep, I'm done. Listen, as long as you're blinking and breathing, you ain't done. Amen. You ain't done. Yeah. I tell Mark all the time.
0: That's her husband, by the way.
1: Mark's my husband. Awesome guy, Mark Hall. I tell him stud. I tell him all the time, listen, we can age, but we are not getting old. There's a difference. Mm. Okay. And like, I mean, like even when, you know, there's something that you can be useful for, In the ministry, in the Lord, you know, for the Lord, in the world, with your neighbors, it doesn't matter. You don't drive, talk to your next door neighbor. You know, if you can't get out anymore, make friends on Facebook, get their addresses and send them cards. Yeah. There's prayer. Oh, my word. I know a woman that when she can't sleep, she goes into her phone, she opens her contacts, and she just starts praying. Wow. Contact by contact, person by person. Y'all, you can do that. I don't care if you're homebound, whatever. No excuses. Stop it. You as long as you're blinking and breathing, he has something for you to do.
0: Like once you put your feet up, that's when you're getting spit out of the mouth.
1: That's what yeah. 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 Because what ends up happening is you just rest on what you've done before. Yeah. But what are you doing now? He's given you time. Every, yeah. every tick of the clock is an act of mercy he's waiting, he's given you time and you should be useful during that time, whatever it is. I'm not saying we are to wear ourselves out with, you know, like being imbalanced or anything because like Pastor Brennan even said that you're so needed by others that you've lost sight of your need for yourself. You're so rich in friends. You're constantly, your social calendar is so full that you forget. What is it full doing? Feeding yourself or feeding others? Are you using that time to be, you know, entertained? Are you using that time to minister to people. So it's like there is something useful for you no matter what age or stage of life you're in. Yeah.
0: I think about that as I'm in my twenties and I think about youth um working with youth at the cross point, working with young adults, um, 20s, 30s, like when you're when you're still young and you look onto the future and you feel like, oh, life's all ahead of me. Like it's so great. I gotta, I gotta make my path in the world I to to voyage out and, and figure out what this world is. And yeah, I got there's this I think there's this temptation to passivity in my, especially especially in the younger generation, where we are passive with our faith because it doesn't, we don't need it right now, mm. right? Because there, oftentimes we might hear Christianity that's all about going to heaven when I die, and trust me, that's such a huge part of our faith. That's it's so much more than that, and yeah. we hear, oh yeah, I just need to go to heaven when I die, and I, and I'm over here like, man, that's like Lord willing, like 50 years away, like <laughs> yeah. So there's no sense of urgency. And You are a really good fire and brimstone preacher. You might get me to think that it's earlier, but yeah. like. It's like, but we think about Christianity as something far off. And so we have the temptation, and this is exactly what the devil wants to do with young people. We have the temptation to be passive in our faith, right? We have the world above us. We We are at the prime years of our life, like physically, I, and we're like, well, let me go out and voyage. Let me make my way. And oftentimes with younger people, especially if you're not yet married and 100% if you don't have kids is you have the most freedom that you've ever had. Yep. So you have the, you might have the financial ability that you've just gotten into a career. You're not yet married. So you don't have that, you don't have that commitment. You don't have kids. So you're not tied into you. You're just like, this world is my adventure. Yeah. And like, and if you're in like high school, maybe even listen to this or still in college, that's what you're dreaming for. That's what you're looking forward to about graduating. And the thing is like that whole thing's wrong. Like that whole thing's wrong because the problem with that whole thing that our whole culture puts in is it's all about you. Yeah. Like it's all about making your pl- place in the world, making people know you. But the, the truth is that like that's not satisfying. The truth is that's cheap grace. The truth is you're treating Christ, even if you're serving at Crosspoint every week and you're here every Sunday, if that's what you're trying to do, like you're utterly selfish with your faith and like Christ will spit you out of your mouth. Yeah. Like he wants a a life that's sold out to you. And as a youth and if you're young, I wanna to appeal to you because it's like you have your whole life that you can give to Christ. Like imagine if you, if the Lord gives you 80 years and you're like, Christ, I have served you for 60 years. And yes, I'm a sinner and yes, I made mistakes, but you have been faithful to me. and I have sought in my inability and in my sin to be faithful to you. And we can enter in to the joy of our master. Yeah. And like, that's what I, like my appeal to youth and to young adults in this would be, guys, like get away from lukewarm faith. Yeah. Like, your phone is a distraction in your faith. Like, Christ and reading your scriptures is more important than scrolling through Instagram. Yeah. Like, Christ is more important than TikTok. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we spend—I'll i how, I'll close with this. But like to you, to young adults, like, do you spend more time praying or do you spend—or on social media? Hmm. Like, just, just time with the Lord or time on social media looking at how other people are living their life? Mm-hmm. And I remember when someone told me that I was cut to the pieces. Yeah, and so this is our appeal: is the same thing. We want to stress that we want to stress that we want to take our spiritual temperature, and we want to run from lukewarm Christianity.
1: That's exactly it. And either way, whether you're at the upper end of the age spectrum, the end is closer than the beginning. Yeah, uh, where you don't have you know your whole future just yawning before you. Um, you know, don't kick back and rest on things that you've done in your past, there is still use for you now. You can be useful for the kingdom. And if you're young, don't waste your youth. Um yeah. you know, because it's it's it, you look back and before you know it, you blink, you're 35 years old and you look back and you think, what have I done?
0: So yeah, thanks for joining guys. Remember that we are living in active faith. Right. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your car ride. Finish folding that laundry. Thank you, Donna, for joining me today. Thank it's been you, great ben. speaking with you. Just one friendly announcement but before you guys go. This was the close of our seven letters series as we took to, looked at the seven letters in the first three chapters of Revelation, two and three chapters, chapters two and three of Revelation. Um, and starting next week, we'll be doing a read along for the book Transgender. And so, if you're at Crosspoint, pick up a copy of that and the hub for five dollars. If not, you can find it online transgender. And yeah, we'll be picking that up next week with Ruth. So we'll see you guys there.